Alright, let's buy our heads and then we can uh, we can get into it. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you for again bringing us together. Um, as we start this study, I just pray that you can just help us to to get to grips with it. Um, I know as of ourselves, we're not going to be able to really understand or really get anything from this, but I know with you and with your spirit with us that we'll be able to get there. And I know you want us to get there. So um, just please help us as we as we start now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys. So um, we're going to jump, be jumping it into Matthew chapter 5. Right, and this is a new. Um, this is going to be a start of a new series on spiritual growth. I think there should be probably eight studies within this, given um, the fact that there are there are eight beatitudes that we're going to be looking through. So um, this to be the first of eight. Um, I think what we should probably do is start by reading through it, and then we'll go into a bit of the background, um, and then dive into verse three, which is really our focus. But, um, but yeah, let's read from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1, um, and finish at verse 12. Okay. Uh, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Shall I go on? Yeah, do, I mean, do you want me to read? Or are you good? I, I don't mind. Uh, verse uh, 6. Yeah, you crack on. Yeah. <laughs> Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Great. Thank you for reading. Cool. So uh, what do we call these? Or the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, right? The Beatitudes. And what is the... Uh, what, um, when Jesus is now speaking, right? Um, but what, what is this whole thing called? Matthew 5, 6 and 7, do you know? Quite famously called. Um, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, right? Cool, cool, cool. Sermon on the Mount. So let's do a little background to the Sermon on the Mount because the Sermon on the Mount is quite a deep thing, right? Um Ellen White, I know, talks about this, and she said in um, Thoughts on the Mount of Blessing, right, in one of her books, and it says that if all we had was Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we'd have enough um, there, just, just in those three chapters for us to be saved, right? There's enough in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Seven on the Mount chapters, for us to be saved, right? And so it's quite, a, um, it's quite an intense three chapters, um, is one of four of Jesus's quite long speeches throughout the Gospels. Um, and it's, in fact, it's the first one. So a little bit of background. What do you do we know what happened before this, before Matthew chapter five? Where are we in the story? Mm-hmm. 
Nah, I don't remember. Well, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus has just been... Um, in fact, Matthew chapter 3, Jesus gets baptised. Right? Mm. After he gets baptised, where does he go? Oh, he goes... Um, ugh, he gets tempted. He goes... Goes into the wilderness and gets tempted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Right? And then after he goes from the wilderness... He he um he collects some of his disciples, he calls his first disciples, and then we're slap bang onto the seven on the mount, right? So this is like the start of Jesus' ministry. And you can imagine um if you had uh to preach, right? If this was gonna be your first sermon, like you'd be a bit nervous, but you'd p- be prepared, right? You'd be pretty prepared. It's it's likely Jesus would be preparing for this sermon on the mount for years right this is going to be this was his first time stepping out into the public yes he had been teaching and and doing certain things before this but this was his official like i've come as the savior to the people right Mm. and although the beatitudes sound pretty nice like so oh blessed is the poor for they show um for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are they mourn blessed are the meek blessed are the pure in heart they all seem like kind of nice pearls of wisdom that you may read not really connected not really um not really that deep but think of this is jesus right jesus coming as the messiah to the people and this is the these are the first words he says in the sermon the first very words he says are blessed are the poor in spirit right and so these this isn't just a this isn't just a quick oh, let me just throw some words out there. These were prepared for. Jesus meant exactly what he was saying in this. And it was, it, it was a deep, it, it has deep significance, right? So, let's go to, if someone could read Matthew um, chapter seven and um, read from verses 20. Eight and twenty nine, and this is going to tell you some of the um, to tell you some of the the reaction from, from the st- sermon on the mount, right? So yeah, we we read the first maybe nine verses of the sermon on the mount, but what did pe- like the, obviously it's three chapters. What did people think about the sermon on the mount after they heard it, right? Did you say to read up to twenty eight? <laughs> um, just Matthew seven twenty eight and twenty nine. Okay. Twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, right? Okay. Yeah. So, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these things or these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as describes. Cool. Right. So, what's that saying? So compared to the other teachers that were there at the time, his teaching was different. It came up powerful, basically. Different. Cool. His teaching was different, right? Yeah. But not only was his teaching different, but it was shocking. It was like there'd be, it, it was almost like he said something, and we go, <gasps> like there'd be almost like a gasp. Like the, it, it was it was completely different from whatever, whatever they had heard before. Um, it was almost like a 180-degree turn from where they were before, right? 
This was completely new to them. And so as we're reading through this, let's not read this as a, as a oh, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. And it's just a nice, you know, thing that Jesus said one day. This was like, um, you know, the thoughts on the Mount of Blessing again says this, this felt like, felt, it, 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 was a, it was a massive culture change, right? It was, it, was, it was revolutionary what Jesus was talking about here, yeah? And we're going we're gonna to discuss why in a minute, and we're going to get into it. So, verse 3. If someone could read verse 3 again, we're going to be um, staying on verse 3. Essentially, we're going to be walking through the Beatitudes each week. So we're going to do one each week, right? Or one each study. Um, so yeah, someone could read the first one. Verse 3, chapter 5, verse 3. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Awesome. Okay. Has anyone heard anything about the Beatitudes before? Has, what's, what's your in, initial thoughts on the Beatitudes? What does Beatitude even mean? I've seen it before. I mean, I've had it, I've studied it before. I've even had to learn at some point. Um, but what does it mean? I don't remember. Um, in terms of Beatitudes, the word. No, okay. No All right. Anyone, anyone else come across the Beatitudes before? Studies it? Have any thoughts? Not, um, not really studied it. I just read it. I might use them and then like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool. All right, cool. Okay, so... Um, so we need to see the Beatitudes as almost like um, the original Steps to Christ, right? So Ellen White wrote a, a book called Steps to Christ. It's really good. Um, but this is almost Jesus himself saying, these are the steps to me. This is the first thing he opened his mouth with when he started a sermon, um, his first sermon. Um, and these are the steps in which we get to Christ. So they're almost like building blocks as you get closer to Christ. This is why we're going to study them as, as we're studying um, spiritual growth, right? So you start with the first one and then you go to the second one, you go to the third one, you go to the fourth one. So um, the first beatitude, blessed is the poor in spirit, is, is described as um, a gateway, right? Or, or, or the dawn of, spiritual, of the spiritual life, right? It's the start, it's where we begin, right? And how we should view these is not just necessarily your stepping stones in, step, in terms of right I've done the first one let me get to the second one but each time you need to do the first one and the second one when you get to the third one you need to do the first one the second one and the third one and so they build on each other so you, it's not like you take the first one and then once you've done that you've completed it you have to take that with you and each time you're gonna have to take that with you right and we'll discuss that more as we go through so first three um blessed are the poor in spirit what does poor in spirit mean Anybody? What does poor in spirit mean? Okay, what does poor mean? Lacking something, like, yeah. Okay, poor, poor in something, so, but what does the word poor mean? 
like what am I saying if, if I said I was poor what am I saying you have yeah you have little right I have little that. right I don't have a lot of something right I have little right okay and and so when we say poor in spirit we have little in spirit right so what, what was that phrase I mean what are you trying to say if I said poor in spirit what does little in spirit mean I'm not sure on this context. Okay, okay, cool, cool. All right, let's break it down. Um, in fact, let's go to, um, is it Luke? Let's go to Luke 18, 25 and 26. And someone else go to John chapter 9, verse 2. Could you... Would you repeat that again? Sorry. Uh, Luke 18, 25 to 26, and then John chapter 9, verse 2. And what, what we're going to see is, is um, the, the current idea of what people saw when they heard the word poor, right? Poor was usually a bad thing, yeah? In, in Jerusalem at this time, with the, uh, with the Jews at this time, poor was seen as a bad thing like if I was rich that means God is blessing me but seeing poor in spirit here and then having theirs is the kingdom of heaven behind it doesn't make sense because if I was rich and if I was healthy and if I was a Jew that means God favored me so the people who are poor why why are they why are they favored but yeah um Luke 18 25 and 26 if someone has it I have it. Um, uh, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, that who can be saved? Cool. All right. Matt, what, what, what is that saying? Um, Especially in the context of the second verse, in verse 26. <laughs> It's, it's quite funny. It, it's like if you're not rich, then, then like, basically, does that mean no one's going to get saved then? Cool, right? So it's like, well, I was, I thought that rich people were supposed to get to heaven. So if rich people aren't getting to heaven, then who's getting to heaven? That was their view, right? Jesus was kind of saying, after the rich young ruler, this is just after the rich young ruler, um, asking, you know, what do I have to do to get eternal life? And Jesus said, look, you're going to have to give everything away to the poor. And he went away sorrowful. And then after that, he said, you know what? It's hard for rich people to get to heaven. And then the disciples and the people with him were kind of taken back and said, well, if rich people can't get to heaven, who's getting to heaven? No one's getting to heaven. Because I know poor people can't get to heaven. That was their mindset, right? Um, John 19. Uh, John 9 verse 2 and his disciples and his disciples asked him saying rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind cool explain to me what people were thinking at that time just from that text um I guess it ties in with um the last scripture where there was this idea that you know if you were healthy and wealthy and stuff is because God favoured you and I guess you were in his good books whereas here if something 
bad was bestowed upon you, such as um, being born blind, it's probably because of some sins that you were going to commit or that your parents committed or something was their thought process anyway. Cool, right? And so 100%, right? And so they're thinking, right, this man is blind, so who sinned? Someone must have sinned. People don't just get blind for no reason. So, you know, you know, Jesus, tell us who it was. Was it him or was it his parents? Those were the only two options in their mind, right? And so if you were a healthy, wealthy Jew at that point in their minds, boy, God, God loves you. You're in God's favour and you're, you're, you're in first place for, for heaven, right? And so if that is their mindset, that is their culture, can you imagine when Jesus now says in verse 3, his first words of his sermon, blessed are the poor in spirit. Right? Shocking. What would you even mean by that, right? And so let's, let's get into what, what poor in spirit means. Okay. Poor in spirit means that you um, are spiritually bankrupt. Now, what does that mean? It means that spiritually, there is nothing good about you. There's nothing good. There's nothing that, that puts you in favour with God. There's nothing that you can say that is good about you. Everything is bad. Right? That's what spiritually um, poor in spirit means, right? It doesn't necessarily mean, you might say poor in spirit might mean um, sad, but poor in spirit doesn't mean you're sad about something. It means you're, it means you're, um, you might, because you might say spirit is like, you know, the spirit that you have, you know, um, in terms of your attitude and how, how, um, how buoyant you are. But this is talking about spirit in terms of your spirituality. And so if you're poor in spirit, that means your spirit, like your spirituality when it comes to God is terrible. There's nothing good about it, right? So why would then God say, those who are poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven? Because that, that doesn't make sense, surely. Mm. Does it have to do with um, recognizing the state that we are in? perfect recognizing the state right recognizing that you are spiritually bankrupt right that is the first step to spiritual growth it's what jesus is saying first thing he said on 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 his first sermon he walked up and said if you recognize your spiritual poverty yours is the kingdom of heaven right that's the first step and so let's let's um the, further deep into that. If someone could read Revelation 3.17. Revelation 3. And in fact, you can go from 16. If you could do 16 and 17. Revelation 3, 16 and 17. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. Oh, right. What's that, what's that say? Sorry. So it says, 
but you basically claim to be something that you're not. And in this case, it's talking about being lukewarm, not being one of the two polar sides, or either you're hot or cold, or obviously mm. that kind of thing. And he that obviously he'll puke you out, so he would kind of reject you. Yeah. And you claim to be rich, but you're not. <laughs> You know what's amazing about this, Michael? It's not even the fact that they claim to be rich and they're not. They don't even know. They don't know. Mm. Right? It says, it says because thou says, says I'm rich, which is the claim, yeah? I am rich. I am increased with goods. I am in need of nothing. Right? But it says, but you don't know. So they have no idea that they're actually wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. What does wretched, what does wretched mean? Someone called you wretched. What would that mean? Kind of like a mess, like a hopeless mess. Yeah, a I hopeless think. mess. Yeah, yeah. My I was gonna say finished. Um, with today's lingo, I would have called you. You're finished, but yeah, you're finished, right? You're finished, right? Cool, cool. So wretched isn't good, like. I mean, if someone called me ugly, right, I think I could handle that. But if someone called you rich, there's something deep about that. Like, that's, that's, I mean, <laughs> wretched is pretty bad, right? Bad going, right? It continues. Miserable. Miserable isn't just sad, yeah? Miserable is, like, is beyond sad. Miserable is, like, like, there's nothing good in your life at this point. There's nothing to be happy about. There's nothing, like, I'm miserable, yeah? Poor. Right? So you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor. Then it says you're blind, which means you don't even know that you're you're wretched, you're miserable, and you're poor. But you're also blind, so you also don't know that this is happening, and you're also naked. Right? This isn't a good situation to be in. But what makes it worse is the fact that you think you're rich, and you think you're increased with goods, and you think you're, you're in need of nothing. And because of that, what... Uh, uh, what is the danger with this situation? You can't do nothing about it because you don't know. You can't do nothing say. about it. Mad. That's exactly it. You can't do nothing about it. And this is why when we go back to Matthew 5, um, verse 3, the first step to spiritual growth is recognising your spiritual poverty. Because the truth is, everyone is wretched. Everyone is miserable, everyone is poor, everyone is blind, everyone is naked. Right? Everyone is spiritually poor. Everyone is poor in spirit. But the difference between the, per- the person who gets, um, gets the kingdom of heaven and the person who doesn't is the recognition of that state. If you remember Jesus talking about um, a parable where two men went to go pray at the temple and one man came, I think he was a tax collector or a publican or something along those lines. And he said, uh, Lord, be merciful for, merciful for me, I'm a sinner. And then the, the Pharisee came up and prayed and he said, oh God, you know, I pray that I will not be like this man, a sinner, right? Who do you think went away and got forgiveness? Wasn't it the tax collector? The tax collector. Because he real both of them were in the same position. 
Both of them were spiritually poor. Both of them were wretched and poor and blind and naked. Both of them. But at least the tax collector knew his condition. This is why Jesus called the, the, the Pharisees hypocrites. This is why he said, if, you're, if your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not make the kingdom of heaven. Again, they were surprised. They're like, how could that be? These, these people are the holiest people that there are. But for God to use you, you need to realize that <laughs> there's nothing good about you. Right? There's nothing that, that, that makes you a good person that God can use you. God does all of it. Yeah? And it's the recognition of that that allows God to use you. And as I was saying, right, these steps aren't steps that, like, right, I've done my spiritual poverty, now I can move on. Each step along this journey, you take your spiritual poverty with you. Each step along the journey. So if you find someone who is not spiritually poor, they haven't even started on the journey yet. They may be preaching in church, they may be doing whatever, they may be whatever the case is. If you're not spiritually poor, you're not, you haven't even got step one yet. Because as Michael says, if you don't realize your spiritual poverty, how could you ever get helped? And so people may jump to, you know, the pure in heart part or the, the hungering and thirsting after righteousness part, which we'll come to in further studies. But unless you've got the spiritual poverty, how, how could you ever hunger and thirst after righteousness? How could you ever have a pure heart if you, if you can't even recognize the state of your heart? So let's go to um, let's go to Matthew five thirty eight forty one. And we're going to see what God's standard is. Because maybe you're thinking, well, actually, maybe I'm not actually that bad. We're going to look at God's standard. And, you know, this again is on the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to see, like, what exactly Jesus was saying. Like, if you don't reach this standard, then you're, you're spiritually poor. Just understand it, right? So we read from, um, yeah, from, from 38 to 241. Uh, Matthew 5, 38, 41. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Okay, so this is a very small snippet again of the Seven on the Mount, right? And so the, the whole the whole three chapters are filled with stuff like this, right? So let's just dive into this a bit to just let us understand where, where Jesus is at with this. He first says, um, a bit more famously, we've probably heard this one before, um, you know, you've heard an eye, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, essentially saying justice. If someone does something to you, um, you should get retribution. Right, there's justice, you should get that thing back. 
But Jesus is saying, you should turn the other cheek. If someone hits you, you should let them hit you again. Right? Number two. He then says, it gets worse. He says, if anyone sues you, right? If anyone sues you at law to take their coat, right? He says, don't just give them the coat that they're suing you for, but also give them your cloak. So give them double what they wanted. So you can imagine, right? Um, Michael, you're you're a student, right? You're you're studying, and um, you know, let's say in one of your projects you plagiarize something, and someone is now suing you for that plagiarism. Instead of you going to court and defending yourself, you say no. Give them what they're asking for, and actually give double. Mad. Mad. It's mad, right? Then he continues. It's not finished yet. Then he says, uh, whoever shall compel you to go a mile, go within twain. Right? And what that's saying is, that back, back in the day, um, because they were under Roman occupation, right? Um, you know, a soldier could come up to any Jewish person and say, carry this or come with me and carry this with me a mile. By law, they would have to go, right? And so obviously they didn't like doing this. You know, you can imagine you're going about your own business and some random person comes up to you and says, look, you're gonna have to carry me, um, carry this for me and we're gonna have to walk a mile down the road. And so you're gonna have to walk a mile there and walk a mile back to get on with what you else you were doing. So clearly they didn't like doing that, right? Jesus again says, if someone tells you to go a mile with them, don't just do the mile, do two miles. do two miles. And so this is the standard in which God is talking, right? This isn't just a, you know, he then continues and says, you, you know, we think we're good people. Many people may say, no, I'm a nice person. I'm kind to people and all the rest of it. Yeah. And he says, yeah, a lot of you will say, yeah, you know, you should love your neighbor. Yeah. And, you know, I love the people around me. I love my workplace. Jesus says, no, that's not enough. I need you to love your enemies the people who mess around with you, the people who have robbed you or hurt you or do whatever, I need you to love them too. And so when we see this idea of spiritual, um, spiritually poor, right, we have to, uh, need to understand what standard we're being held to. So the question is, right, seeing as this is the start of this walk, this is the this is the first place of this walk. Um, we need to we need to come to grips with our spiritual poverty. We need to come to grips with the fact that there is nothing good about us. Nothing. I was reading um, a thing by Charles Spurgeon. Does anyone know who Charles Spurgeon is? No. He's he's a he's a Baptist reformist. Um, back in like the 1800s, and he was saying that, um, and he was he was talking about the Beatitudes, and he was saying it is amazing that this is the first step towards spiritual growth. Because imagine if God had said or Jesus had said, um, "Blessed are the pure in heart." First, imagine if that was the first step. Blessed are the poor in heart. How how would we ever get to that? step like that seems like an unattainable goal if Mazda said right for you to for you to become a Christian 
you're going to need to have a pure heart. Right at the start, before we start anything, pure in heart. Like, how would you, what would you think? It would be, like, unattainable, like, yeah. It would be unattainable. Yeah. Good night. Mm-hmm. I say, I think it'd all be over before it started. <laughs> so it'd be over before it started, exactly. You'd be, you'd be, you'd be finished at the first title. Jesus is, the only thing Jesus is saying in this is, all you need to do is recognise that you need me. That's all you need. And what's amazing is, what... What, what's the what's the end of the of the um of the beatitude, right? So blessed of the pure in spirit, but then what does it say after? What's the second part of the verse? As in the same verse or the one following, sorry. Oh, uh, the same verse. Oh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the kingdom of heaven, right? So if you're poor in spirit, what is God promising you? Heaven. Heaven. Heaven, right? Yeah. So we haven't even got to pure in spirit yet. We haven't even got to hungry and thirsting after righteousness. We definitely, have to, definitely haven't got to the persecution part. And yet Jesus is already saying, yours is the kingdom of heaven. And what's amazing about these beatitudes, as if you read with me, right? If you go through, it says, the initial one, pure in spirit, says theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then everything after that is, is a future tense proclamation. So theirs is the kingdom of heaven is current. Then it says, for they shall be comforted, future. For they shall inherit the earth, future. For they shall obtain mercy, future. For they shall see God, future. For they shall be called children of God, future. For they... Um... And then for the last one, verse 10... It says again, present tense, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so the first and last beatitudes, the present tense is theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so essentially what Jesus is saying is, anywhere you are on this journey, whether you're at the first step or you're at the last step, as long as you're on the journey, heaven is your home. You're going to make it. I'll bring you the rest of the way. Right. So even if all you've got to is blessed uh, um, are the poor in spirit, if all you've got to is to recognize your spiritual poverty, Jesus has already said, heaven is your home. This is the kingdom of heaven. Right. And so the pressure in terms of the spiritual growth thing. Right. And as we go through, we'll, we'll go through each step as we go through. But Jesus is saying, you know, don't feel pressure about the spiritual growth. You know, sanctification is something that we do over a lifetime. We can, we can work through this journey. We'll get there. But what you, what you need to focus on is the spiritual, the spiritual poverty. As long as you can consistently understand that you are not good enough, but I am. That this whole gospel truth and everything is not about you, it's about me. Um, if if you can accept that and, and consistently know that, then yours is the kingdom of heaven. What do you guys think? I've been talking a lot. <laughs> I'll just say amen, to be honest. Um, yeah, amen. Yeah. Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. All right. Uh, so, um, if I can just... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, yeah. 
just a little bit. I think for me personally, that's that's it. Um, I think that was my revelation probably um, this year from last year, moving to this year. And it was anytime you think you're doing good and everything's going great, that's when you tend to do the most. And then, you know, um, you stray off the path, if that makes sense. Because yeah. now you think, oh, yeah, I'm doing things all right. So you tend to then not rely on God or even try and listen to him or look for him because you think you're cool, you're, you're, you're solid. And then you find yourself in a mess and then you're like, oh, actually, yeah, let me let me actually, you know, look for God. And you tend to re-examine yourself and you see that. So I kept doing that over and over again. And I realized, yeah, first, first of all, as, as the, the verse pretty much said, realize that you, you, you're not what you think you are, you know, First of all, recognize you be yourself being poor, and then you can then move forward from there. For sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so let's let's get a bit deeper into this, so we understand the 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 magnitude of this, right? What what do you think the effect of sin is? So, um, say let's say you're spiritually poor. So you recognize your spiritual poverty. What do you think the effect of sin is on your spiritual poverty? So if you feel like you're not worth it and, you know, there's nothing good about me, but you keep on sinning, what do you think the effect of that is? So do you think there's any effect? Sorry, could you say that again? So um, let's say you're at this first stage, yeah, of, of poor in spirit, um, and you've recognised your spiritual poverty, mm. but you keep repeating sins or the same sins. What do you think the effect of that is on your spiritual poverty? Michael? I think there's, there's two effects, but I think the primary effect is that you, it, it confirms it. Um, it confirms the spiritual poverty. And then secondary, it, it, depending on where your focus is, whether it's, if it's on yourself or if it's on God, if it's in yourself, then it kind of um, can demoralize you or, I don't know, demoralize you, that kind of thing. But if it's on God, then it just confirms the fact that you're spiritually poor and that you need him. So yeah, those two are the things. Interesting, interesting. Cool, cool. Midi? Um... Sorry, I'm thinking. Sorry. Let me put it this way, right? Um, the danger, the danger of of sin, is that I know, Michael. You you mentioned that you know if your focus is on God, then it can it can ground you more in the fact that you're 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 spiritually um, you're spiritually poor, right? But the danger of sin. Is that it? Um, it actually makes you more complacent. Mm. And let me explain why. Right? If um, if my sin is stealing, for example, and I recognise that I'm spiritually poor, but I keep on stealing, and I keep on stealing, and I keep on stealing, what will eventually happen is one of two things. Either I'll start um, surrounding myself with people who also steal, but maybe um, a bit worse than I do, 
So what will happen is I I may say to myself, okay, yeah, I I I steal occasionally, but I don't steal like them. So maybe I'm I'm actually I'm I'm not actually too bad, right? Or you'll say, or or the the fact that the stealing is wrong will actually start to become non not apparent to you. So and that happens with that can happen when you said lies, for example. You know, you can say, but it was only I didn't I don't lie like that person does. You know, he lies about you know. Um, the the affair he's having with his wife, um, his, with his, with another woman against his wife, right? Um, I don't lie like that. I only tell little white lies. And you keeping the sin in your life will allow you more opportunity to justify why you do what you do, and therefore takes away from this fact that actually you're not good, regardless, mm-hmm. right? Because a an attitude of poor in spirit is the opposite from what you, the attitude you might have in um, with a hard heart or or with the unpardonable sin. Does everyone know what the unpardonable sin is? Is it um, lack of repentance? Okay, you lack of repentance, but why would you not repent? Is it um like uh, uh, I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, but denying the Holy Spirit? It is denying the Holy Spirit, but how would why, how do you deny the Holy Spirit? Is it basically like not wanting Him, like not wanting the Holy Spirit, um, not wanting to repent? Yeah, it is not wanting to repent or not wanting the Holy Spirit, but there's something a bit deeper about the unpardonable sin. Michael, are you going to say something? Yeah, is it ignoring or not listening to the Holy Spirit? <laughs> it is, but how, how you guys are phrasing it, it's, it feels more <laughs> like an active choice, right? Feels like an actual choice, like no, I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit today. When actually the unpardonable sin or rejecting the Holy Spirit is more of a um an unknowing rejection. So if you keep on doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, the the the, the impact that the Holy Spirit has on you becomes less and less and less and less. So if if um You can even see this with with a punishment, right? So if um, if the Holy Spirit, if if I'm um, if I lie, and the Holy Spirit tells me it's wrong, right, and then I go, okay, you know what, I'm sorry, but then I lie again, and then the Holy Spirit will tell me it's wrong again, but I probably hear him a little less than I did the first time. Then I lie again. Then I lie again. Then I lie again. Eventually, the Holy Spirit talking to you, you won't even you you won't even hear it your life will be so entrenched in whatever you're doing that the that the impact of someone telling you it's wrong would will, will not will not impact you at all. That's what the impardonable sin is. It's not the fact that you cannot get forgiveness for any particular sin, but it's that the impact of the Holy Spirit on you is now so um, quiet that you there's nothing in you that tells you what you're doing is wrong. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, so is it basically like you've lost all sensitivity? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, an example of this is Pharaoh in Egypt, right? Every single time Pharaoh, there was a plague, Pharaoh said, you know, no, no, I'll let the people go, just stop the plague. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. God will stop the plague. And then he said, no, you're not having the people go, not letting the people go. And then another plague would come. And this happened several, 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 several times until, and Pharaoh's heart got harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. And to the point where he was too far gone. Nothing at that point could save him. No, no person telling him, the Holy Spirit working in his heart, it, it, it was too far gone. And so the phrase is, God hardened his heart, Pharaoh's heart, and therefore, you know, he allowed, you know, the firstborn sons of, of Egypt to die, and etc. And we know the rest of the story. So this, this thing of continually sinning, even though you're poor, in poor in spirit, the poor in spirit will end up not being so poor in spirit if you continue sinning. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so there is a danger in just staying at this point. You 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 would need to grow past this point as well. Right. But I mean, Jesus says, you know, if you're at this point, it's good enough. Right? But there is a danger with being complacent at this point. Okay. Second point. Um The question about spirit, the spiritual poverty essentially says this, um, and this is, this is a question for you guys. Do you feel that you are worthy of death? For what you've done in your life, um, do you think what you've done deserves death? Question. Oh, that's it. That's a question I've never thought about. <laughs> um, I would say, personally, no. Like, in reality, I know yes, and like from what I've read, yes. But I feel like from taking God's grace for granted, like, I have, I, I don't see that or me lying that equals death do you know what I mean because I've seen so many times like I wake up every day in the morning still and because of the refreshing every day I'm like it hasn't quite clicked for me that that does equal death great answer Millie um I think I think similar um do I think the things that I've done in my life or throughout my life deserves death. Uh, yes, I think one of the things I think of is, well, if if someone like Adam and Eve, if they can just bite an apple and deserve death, then probably I deserve death too. <laughs> um, but similarly, it's not something that I think I consciously have thought about. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's funny because we get, we have so much uh, love and grace from God um, to the point where I don't comprehend it. It's just that thing of, oh, waking up or being blessed with so many things, whether it be loving family and friends or 
a roof overhead or food and like just everything in my day-to-day life like every moment that you kind of think I think there's almost like a selfish part of me or us as like human beings that thinks oh but you know it's things are not that terrible it's not that bad like surely there's you know that's exactly the wording it's not that bad yeah that's exactly it thank you uh Michael I think again it, it goes back to the whole um you touched on in terms of the impardonable sin it it, it kind of depends on how much I recognize the effect of sins and how, like yeah how how deep do I think that actually is and what does it mean so and that also depends on how much I am like in tune with God because sometimes we get absorbed you know in in the things that we have to do and therefore in terms of um going back to the text as well recognizing our state we forget and therefore sin is minor so I can just say whatever do whatever anything goes but then once you realize I um yeah this is not great you know I think you mentioned Adam and Eve they did that and that's the result that we are in I may be lucky but then you look at you know the blind man being born blind and it's like whose fault is it and it's like well again it goes back to Adam and Eve in that in that case right so it's remembering the effect of sin and knowing the state that we are and what it actually means to us so but on a day-to-day basis if I'm absorbing my activities obviously I, you know obviously sin, sin seems minor and it's like everything is kind of minor and as I said it's not that bad yeah, yeah. And so this is the danger, guys. This is this is the ultimate danger, is the fact that we see start to see sin, start to see our spiritual condition as not that bad. Because ultimately, um, even one sin that we have done is worthy of death. But what the Bible has told us, what Midi said, you know, if Adam and Eve can can throw the whole of humanity into this into this thing that we're now in from eating one fruit how much more, you know, can some of the things that we've done be um, be worthy of death, right? But it's difficult to see it that way. It's, some, it's difficult to see, especially in the world that we live in, in the friends that we have, in, you know, the fact that we're all trying to be Christian. It's difficult to see that, you know, a one lie here or a one thing here or one sin there or you know, being angry unjustly or, 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 or gossiping or whatever the case may be, it's difficult to see a sin like that as, as really that bad. And that's exactly the words we use. Is it really that bad? And the problem with seeing that is, is that we don't fully experience this poor in spirit. The more we can see our sins as really that bad, the more that we can see our condition as, wow, you know, it's really, it's really the grace of God right now that I'm even breathing right now, that I can even talk right now, that I even got up in the morning is the grace of God. Because really what I deserved from my behavior, even just yesterday, was that God just says, look, it's over. And so because we, it's so easy to compare ourselves to other people, it's so easy to look around us and go, actually, what I do really isn't, I mean, I don't swear like that or I don't or I don't steal like that, or I don't murder like that, or I don't, whatever the case is, fill in the blank. Um, We feel like actually death feels a bit harsh. Actually, I'm not actually that bad. When our mindset, if we're going to be truly on this walk of spiritual growth, needs to be, it, it really is that bad. 
and and we'll discuss that more next time when we discuss the blessed are they that mourn but this realization that you know this spiritual poverty means that we're wretched we are miserable we are poor we are blind and we are naked those are the only truths of our condition there's no we're wretched but actually it's actually not that bad no wretched wretched is wretched miserable is miserable right and so um and so yes it's difficult but that, that's exactly what jesus came for my favorite and this is what we're going to close on right so we're not going to last too much longer but um my favorite quote from from desire of ages is this it says um christ was treated as we deserve that we might be treated as he deserves he was condemned for our sins in which he had no share that we might be justified by his righteousness in which we had no share he suffered the death which was ours that we might receive the life which is his with his stripes we are healed and so right in there you know we see that you know everything the only thing that we get the only righteousness that we have is because jesus did what he did outside of that we deserve condemnation and that's what jesus took and i'm not even talking about the death that we may have here in terms of you know uh, the electric chair or hanging or however people die these days um, in terms of corporal punishment but i'm talking about spiritual i'm talking about like the death death like the final death that's what we deserve for just one day of us living this life that's what we deserve and so um and so just to realize that and to appreciate what god has done based on that um is really the the first step of this spiritual journey um is there anything else we want to say before we before we wrap up I think um, back in the day, the Israelites were able to see that connection, the extremity a bit more because they were they had to kill animals all the time. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, understanding what Jesus went through, like he said, helps us to understand the severity of, like, what we've done. And it's good to remind ourselves of that. Because even if you understand it like once, like you said, um, when you get comfortable in sin, you can you can forget the effect it has, and so you can remind yourself by studying what Jesus actually went through. For sure, for sure, for sure. Um, anything else? Anyone else want to say anything? Yeah, sorry, I got disconnected, so I don't know what the question was. I was just to say, um, was there any other comments before we close? Oh, no, I think, no, no. All right, let's um, let's have a word of prayer. Um, Does anyone want to pray? No? I actually... I actually have a question. Oh yeah, good. Um, how do you, how do you recognize that you're you're spiritually poor? Like, like yeah, how do, how do you come out of that? 
How do you recognize you're spiritually poor? Michael, go ahead. <laughs> I think um, is it, it has to do with um, a lot of things, but um, in, in the human experience, the simple way I can say, based on my experience, is trying to do things my way and then things I want to do do not go my way, and then the despair. And uh, you know how we describe in Revelation the, 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 rich, the rich person that thinks they are rich, or was it rich in spirit or whatever it was. Once you once you fail and everything goes left, and then you feel kind of miserable and you don't know what to do, and then you remember God is there, and then you look to Him, and then you re- and, and at that point, it, it, it somehow you know you ask for help, and I believe just the Holy Spirit kind of lights up your eye, and then you're like, oh yeah, I've been doing everything wrong. You see that you've been like kind of disobeying God. Um, Maybe may not be specifically sinning, but just not doing his will, which again, that is technically again transgressing his will, but um, that kind of help us. So like any and other times it might just be um, bad experiences, but usually these are a result of our own decision rather than or it could be something outside of our control. Anyway, it's like um something that kind of shakens us up. And then other times I would say that the more you read of Christ and you see what he went through so that we may be free you kind of realize the sacrifice he made and then you kind of compare that to your life and that also kind of helped um but obviously praying for the holy spirit i would say just the first thing as well but yeah that's what i think um helps you recognize your condition yeah okay yeah i get that thank you yeah i mean i would agree with michael very much so the two points firstly experientially I think there is um there's a point in your spirituality when you know you'll realize that actually um you can't really you can't really get anywhere by yourself. I think there's there's just there's a point where I don't know if it's because you keep like you're trying not to do a sin and you keep doing it or you know you're trying to um get somewhere spiritually and you can't get there, you're trying to read something and it's just not making sense. What, whatever the case is, you know, you're trying to change an attitude towards something and you just just can't get it done like um I think spiritually experientially those things just hit you in the face in terms of how how bad we really are and how much we we need God's help um and then yeah as Michael said um when you read the Bible um and you see the standard that Jesus said even, even as you read Matthew 5 6 and 7 but also you see like um the crucifixion experience um and that could, I think there's a reason why we're told, you know, to meditate on that daily, because that that can only put into perspective where we are um, and what Jesus died for. Like, why would Jesus go through all that if we weren't that bad, if it wasn't that bad? Why did Jesus have to go through all of that? Um, and so, yeah, I think a mixture of those two things for sure. There's actually one more text before we pray that I wanted us to go to. And just to just to um just as proof of verse three to say if this is the stage that we're at, if we're at this poor in spirit stage, um as the first step, theirs is for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, just to prove that statement. Um can we go to Luke 23 verses 39 to 42? Can I just finish on this text?
Um, 23 verse. Uh, 39 to 42. Okay. It says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answered and rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. Amen. So that's the end. And verse 42. Oh, and 42. And that one says, And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember, oh, Lord, remember me when you come, comest into thy kingdom. Amen. Right. So what are we seeing here? What's the scene? We're seeing um, uh, the two criminals that were on the cross alongside, well, either side of Christ. Um, and it could be said that we're seeing um, two that are obviously wretched, one that recognises um, the problem and the other that doesn't. Right, right. That's exactly what it is. Um, and this guy the thief on the cross, the, the, the one he did recognise, he didn't have time to get through the whole stages of the spiritual growth that we're going to end up going through in the next um, few studies. He didn't have time for all of that. All he had time for is the poor in spirit. That's the only place he could get to. Right? That's, the only, that's all that he could say to Jesus. You know what? Please remember me. That, that was it. Like, I know I'm up here. I, I, I mean, I'm guilty. Like, we deserve to be up here. You don't. Um, but just remember me. And what did Jesus respond in verse 43? And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And there's the proof, right? If we are genuinely at that pure and spirit stage, Jesus will open up heaven for us. That's that's the that's the that's the it's almost the most important part of this whole process because as I said, you're gonna have to take that with you. Each stage we get to, you're gonna have to have pure in spirit again. And you have to have pure in spirit again. Um, because each stage you get to, there's more of yourself that you have to say, Boy, I'm really not worth it for this part. Jesus, come help me. And he carries you through each stage. Um, the further the closer we get to God, the more um the more wretched and the more sinful we seem, seem in our own eyes, even though we may be getting more holy, you know, through this sanctification process, the closer we get to God, the more we seem to our own selves as unholy and the more we need Jesus' help to bring us there. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, just um, that's, that's the thought for today. Um, but yeah, let's pray. Our heads. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for allowing us to study together. Um, thank you that this first step isn't too daunting, but also please help us to, to get there genuinely. And I know there's the, the ease and the temptation to forget how really spiritually impoverished we are, 
but I know that it's necessary for us to truly accept what you've done for us. How would we, um, how would we die to self if we didn't think that if we thought that we were worth it, or we thought we didn't think that you were? So um, I just pray that you can help us to stay consistent in understanding that we are spiritually poor, um, and will allow us to go into the next stages as we will study in the next few weeks. Thank you in Jesus' name. I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you.